Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I talk about how to take advantage of extended periods where you can't ride and how those periods can actually help you improve as a rider in ways you never expected. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Today, I'd like to talk to you about something that happens to all of us as riders at some point or another, and that's when things go wrong and you can't ride for an extended period of time. It could be due to winter weather. It could be due to an injury. You have an injury. It could be due to life circumstances. A family member is ill. You've changed jobs suddenly and you have to work overtime. Whatever it is, It's an extended period of time where you can't ride your horse as regularly as you'd like to. Maybe you're even restricted in the amount of riding that you can do. Let's say it has to be at the walk only in the case of an injury for yourself. For situations where the horse is injured, I'm going to do a different podcast on that topic, the topic of rehab horses. But for now, for this particular podcast, we're assuming that you can't ride for whatever reason and your horse is not having any physical issues. Your horse is sound. He's just standing around in his stall or in his pasture becoming slightly feral because you can't quite get to him due to these outside circumstances. In these times, it's easy to fall into the trap of becoming almost a little frantic when you do go ride your horse. If Let's say you can only ride your horse once every 10 days. And you go out and you try to, in two hours or three hours, cram in all of the, the riding time that you couldn't do in a more kind of gradual way due to the weather or your issue, whatever it is at home or physically. And that almost always ends up creating more problems. So you don't want to approach these times as I'm going to do sort of binge riding where when I do ride my horse, it's going to be you know three times as long as I normally would. And I'm going to try to totally practice those tempi changes right away. So that would be something to avoid that will actually make everything worse for you. Instead, ironically, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to slow down. And I know that that seems counterintuitive because gosh, you know, you already can't get out there very often. Or again, let's say you're rehabbing an injury. I Slowing down, you're frustrated. You want to get back in the saddle in every respect as quickly as possible. But in order to make really good use of these sort of enforced riding hiatuses, it really works best to slow down and to focus on the things that you never have had time to focus on before. And that is always going back to key fundamentals, key basics. Now, that's not to say that what I'm going to tell you in this podcast is to lead your horse endlessly on a halter and lead rope or lunge him for the bazillionth time in the arena that is really small and doesn't really work very well for riding in winter anyway. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going back to fundamental biomechanics with simple exercises that will mean a lot to your horse and ultimately to you too for what it will give you in terms of observations and insights that you might not have had before. Again, because you've never had the time to focus on these small things in your normal riding routine. So this will be a short little podcast where I give you some specific ideas for exercises to do with your horse. And then I'm also going to give you some sort of philosophical concepts to hold in the back of your mind for working on yourself, on your own riding issues, even though you can't ride. So for the first set of back to basic exercises for your horse, 
one of the things I really like to look at are jaw and pole flexions. Now these are not flexions that you need any kind of device for. It's not about using a Pessoa system or anything like that. It's more about you take your halter and your lead rope, preferably a rope halter, not because they're magic wands or anything, but because the structure of them, the way the knots are and the way that the halter fits on the horse makes it more likely that you can feel these small releases that the horse is giving you. In the, the traditional nylon or leather halters, it's a little harder to feel those things, but by no means impossible. So it's not like it's mandatory. I just prefer to use a rope halter if possible. So what you're going to do is you're going to do these very simple sort of pressure release type maneuvers on the jaw and the pole of the horse. And rather than me sort of painstakingly trying to describe them to you verbally, I'm going to include in the show notes a sort of a written guideline of how to do these with some video links. But basically what you're doing is you're putting your hands in certain areas on the jaw and on the nose of the horse, the muzzle of the horse very gently. And you are holding in such a way that as soon as the horse resists, you just meet that horse's resistance. And then as soon as the horse gives the smallest amount, tiniest, you're not looking for a giant movement, you're going to soften immediately. And these little things mean quite a lot to a horse, but also they can mean a lot in the discipline that you're competing in if you're a show rider or a performance rider. And the reason is that almost all proper movement for athletic performance comes from the horse's ability to collect itself, to relax its back, and to carry itself in proper carriage. Many times, tensions in any of these areas will be immediately reflected in the pole and the jaw of the horse. That's not to say that there's something wrong with your horse or your horse has been improperly trained or anything like that. It's just sort of normal. I carry a lot of tension in my neck like most people who work on the computer and work with young horses. It's just kind of natural. Also carry a lot of tension in my shoulders. But I'm a good athlete. It's just that when I go into a yoga class and they ask me to do certain stretches, I'm like, oh, can barely move. But if I work at it very gradually and slowly loosen up, I find that my athletic performance improves across the board because those small braces and tensions have created a chain reaction in my body that I haven't been aware of. So this is, these little exercises, they're super simple. I mean, you literally can do them like in your horse's stall, very quiet movements, not looking for some big dramatic effect can make a really significant difference in how your horse rides the next time you ride him. So that's definitely something that I would focus on as a key exercise. Another great resource for different exercises you can do with your horse on the ground that again, aren't lunging or aren't the kind of more traditional things that you're probably really bored about with already. And maybe your horse is bored with as well. There's a great book called 55 Corrective Exercises for Horses, and I'll include a link to it in the show notes. It is full of terrific things to do with your horse on the ground or riding at the walk. And for the most part, they're probably exercises that you aren't as familiar with. They're super creative too. All you usually need is like a horse you, halter lead rope, maybe a few poles, ground poles, maybe a slope outside on the ground, nothing more than that. And you can do a variety of just terrific things that can help set up your horse for better biomechanics. And interestingly enough, the horses always find these 
to be mentally engaging. In other words, even though they seem really simple and you're like, oh, my horse is going to be so bored. You're directing the horse's feet in a way that is meaningful to them. And because of that, it tends to really engage their mind, which in turn tends to relax and focus them. So I find those to be super helpful, not only for a horse physically, but also mentally. And then as the rider, the handler, you start to gain more awareness of things that you didn't realize might've been going on under the surface of your horse. For example, if your horse has trouble leg yielding to the right, some of these exercises might really point out why, which muscles are tight. What foot does he tend to keep on the ground too long? And it can be kind of fun to see that in a different way without the pressure of your usual discipline training. A third resource that can be really fun to follow is Kathleen Beckham's Gray Horse LLC blog. She has a great blog series and she also has a Facebook group called Doing the Work. And these are all sort of foundational principles behind proper movement in horses. She tends to do things in a Western saddle, but if you watch her equitation closely, you see proper equitation for multiple disciplines across the board. Because basically, if you set a horse up to move in a straight and correct manner, they're going to do well no matter what their discipline is. And she's very down to earth. She has a great video series right now going on on how to get your horse acclimated to ropes and flags. Now, if you or let's say a barrel racer, and you could care less about ropes and flags, I would still urge you to look at that series if, again, you find yourself in a situation where you can't ride very much for several weeks. The things that are in that series will approach elements like blind spots in a horse, which can be pretty key when you're coming down to the first barrel and there's a noise behind your horse. If your horse isn't good about their blind spots, you're not going to have the best run you've ever had in your life that day. So these kind of foundational things that Kathleen covers are fun. They're a little interesting. They might, again, not be the type of thing you've seen typically, and they're very correct. She also has very thought-provoking blog articles that I really enjoy reading personally. So that's another resource many of you might not have heard of, and I suggest you check it out on, again, this kind of extended winter weather blues time, or if you're injured and just can't ride or your work won't permit you to, your schedule won't permit you to ride regularly. Now, let's say your situation is that you are injured or you physically just cannot get to the barn for several weeks. It's just not possible. It's something more within you rather than just intermittent weather issues. In that case, one thing that you can do that can be super helpful is you can do some reading, again, on more classical equitation, things that cut across all disciplines. This is really sort of the theme of this podcast. If you are, let's say, a dedicated competitor in reined cow horse, you might go, well, I, I don't really want to read about equitation written by someone who does jumping. I mean, what's, what's that got to do with me? But core good foundational equitation is going to, again, improve and help your horse and help your riding, no matter what your discipline. And it's sufficiently different. So if you are used to, let's say you're a dressage rider and you read constantly about dressage, you watch dressage videos, you follow some of the top competitors on Facebook and Instagram, you fill your head with all of that language, which makes sense, right? Because that's your discipline. The things that I'm suggesting go back to maybe core classical. And in a way it allows you to learn differently because you're not kind of just looking at the same things that you always look at with the same kind of preconceived ideas. That's not to say that your previous study is wrong. It's just a way of taking advantage 
of what is not maybe an ideal situation that you can't ride and do your usual things. So why not have your brain and kind of your eye look at other things, absorb the information in a different way from a different perspective so that you can gain additional insights. The whole concept of fresh eyes is that you come to something with a different frame of reference in order to see it from a perspective you'd never considered before. And that's how you make your biggest gains. They're more perceptual than technique-based. So a few of the things that I'm reading now, because I'm in one of these enforced periods myself where I can't ride as much due to the illness of a family member. I've been reading a book called The Seamless Seat, which goes through all of these interesting exercises and discussion about how we sit on a horse and how that balance, our balance affects the horse's balance. And also looking at things like footfall and timing of aids. I find it interesting, and I'm not usually someone who likes to read endlessly on theory, so it's well-written. It's divided up into sections that are easy to sort of go, hey, I want to read on this one thing, rather than you have to absolutely read it from A to Z. And it's given me some genuine insights and ideas. I'm also rereading some of Ray Hunt's work, which is just like one of my favorite things. Not for everybody, but I really enjoy it because he's short and to the point. And it's the kind of uh, scenario where it's a seemingly simple paragraph. And then when you sit down and think about it, you're like, wow, there's like decades of insight and horsemanship technique packed into those few simple words. I also really enjoy Wendy Murdoch's work. She has a video series. I think she's doing some online courses and I'll include links in my show notes to them. And what Wendy does are these, well, she does lots of great things, but one of my favorite things that she teaches are sort of these hacks for improving rider position in super subtle ways that you don't think about that go back to essentially how does our seat sit on the horse? How do small things in our upper body change the entire balance of our core and then also our leg? And she does it in a way that's creative and fun. It's not the usual sort of drilling on, you know, heels down and, and shoulders back. It's, it's just really interesting and entertaining. And uh, I really enjoy it. And I find it sort of, again, a fresh perspective on it. So I highly recommend her work as well. I'm also watching a newly released DVD from Buck Branneman on the Snaffle Bit sort of training series for a young horse. Again, it goes back to these very foundational elements. And if you know Buck, you know that he's studied sort of refined riding. He studied foundational classical movement. And he's applied that to the working horse. So if you are an advanced, again, kind of dressage rider, and you're like, oh, this Western guy, so boring. I'd urge you to watch some of this DVD and see how the language and the way that he's setting that horse up for the basics actually will also set up the horse very well for advanced movement later in his career. It's pretty interesting. And again, if you, if you don't mind kind of watching a video with one person talking and riding a horse, I think it's a great series. It's very well shot and it's certainly been engaging my interest over these last few weeks. Now you might be thinking, well, that's all well and good for you, Lynn. These are things that you like, but they sound kind of boring or they don't sound related to what I want to do. And I would recommend that you just give each of these things a try. Maybe pick one of the books or one of the DVDs or do a few of the exercises I've suggested and give it a chance just for the variety again. 
Again, variety is the thing that sometimes leads us to new ways of seeing things. And just as a fun exercise, like why not take advantage of this enforced time off to do things a little differently? If you're going to try to do things the way you used to, you're just going to be frustrated because you literally don't have the time. You don't have the riding time for whatever reason to do what you usually do. So it's an opportunity to take a situation that isn't ideal find an advantage in it, and then really drill down on that advantage, which is being able to change up your routine and see things from a different perspective. And it's fun. The pressure's off, right? You can go, oh, well, I can't, I can't hold myself to my goal of making you know, the finals, the state finals in 4-H at this very moment because the weather or because I hurt my knee. And so the pressure's off. Instead, I can do these sort of fun things. And if they don't work out, I can blame Horsewise and Lynn. So, so you have no pressure. You can just enjoy yourself. And again, it's kind of a silver lining to the situation that isn't ideal, the inability to ride in your usual routine. Nearly all of the riders that I deal with have some form of tension in their bodies, some form of brace in their bodies that has translated into their riding. And usually their horses have something similar as well. These can be small things. They don't have to be epically large. And then when you get into a scenario where you can't ride as regularly, you get tighter and tenser because you, again, you're a little pent up. You feel like you're behind. You've got to catch up. So these little exercises in books and different ideas I'm giving you are a way to relax that tension by not doing the same things over and over again. It's kind of giving you a get out of jail free card, right? So you can do things a little differently and relax, relax mentally too, instead of being, again, kind of pent up and frustrated by your situation. Over the last seven years, I've encountered multiple natural disasters that created large property damage on the farms I was living on at the time. I had a serious back injury at one point, and I also had a really strange viral illness that attacked my joints temporarily, although it felt like it was forever because it was a few months, which made me very stiff and really affected my athleticism. And in each of those cases, I ended up gaining in horsemanship and improving my riding, even though... I was off for periods of several weeks to several months or where I could, if I could ride, it was in very uh, limited ways at the walk or very intermittently. So I speak from experience on this topic and I found again that some of my most significant breakthroughs came after these enforced absences or hiatuses from riding. And I think that the reason for that was I was able to approach it with this idea of, hey, I'm going to take advantage of whatever I can. I'm going to do whatever I can, even if it means doing something differently. So I just would urge everybody to give this a chance. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know which of these exercises would be best for me or boy, I don't want to read a whole book. Is there a particular section that might work best for me and my situation? I would say, shoot me an email, horsewisecoach at iCloud.com. Tell me what your issue is, why you can't ride, and what things you've been feeling frustration on as a rider in the past. And I will come up with a customized little set of exercises for you to do just for fun and free of charge. I would really enjoy the opportunity to help. And it's just something I enjoy coming up with a creative approach for each person and horse that I work with. 
So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast on ideas of what to do when weather or injury or work or other situations keep you from riding for extended periods. And as always, I thank you for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.